Yeah, there was definitely some conversations that we had about uh, the initial budget and what the fixtures and finishes she decided to go with were going to do to the final costs. So. You're talking like a politician. You're like, there was uh, some... You're like... I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to be neutral about it. Well, that's all we do here. We're not neutral on this podcast. That's but anyway... Welcome to the Open House Podcast. I'm Christina Moderis. And who are you? I am Eric Mann, Christina Moderis's wonderful partner. Uh, yeah, so we, so Steph is out sick. So I decided to record with my boyfriend, partner, whatever you want to call him, Eric. I talk about him so much on here, so might as well have you on here. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm just hanging out. Why aren't we in the same room? I'm hanging out at one of our uh, rental properties, currently mm-hmm. filling up a pool because it got rusty and I had to fix it. Yeah, we had a we have a, a cowboy pool outside and, and it needed to be re- refilled before some customers, some tenants came in and stayed. So some customers. Customers, yeah. <laughs> Are we running? What are we running? But yeah, so what happened at that? So this is the property. I don't if you've been following us for a while. This is the property that me and Eric like renovated the our little side yard during COVID. And we like, you know, Eric basically dug up this side yard with his <laughs> by shovel, which was stupid of us. Now looking back, we shouldn't have done that. Never again. But, you know, put in a lot of power into that side yard and we um i guess zero scaped it and put in gravel and pavers and um a little couch and a cowboy pool so then we decided to airbnb it for a while then there's just like a lot of issues (laughs) and we weren't making enough money that way i don't think it was managed that well also and it was just like a lot of different issues and then eric what happened when you went there this week? Oh, somebody decided to spend a little time in the house while uh, there weren't any guests, luckily. But they opened a opened a window and and helped themselves to the toiletries and whatever else they could find in here. And a little little scary when we got in, but luckily they didn't trash the place. So grateful for that. Someone broke in is yeah. what you were your your backwards way of saying that. That mm-hmm. was an interesting interesting way of saying that but yes it's May 4th I'm I'm like Yoda you know it's all a little bit jumbled up oh no do you see what I'm so embarrassing okay also I Eric didn't know that this was going to be like videotaped and he was like I don't look good and I was like you literally told me so I just got a laser face treatment and my face is really puffy right now and he was like, you look like the main character, the girl in, what was it? Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, yeah. She's got some, she's got a strong jaw. I didn't know what that meant. And I just looked her up and I was like, actually, yeah, I do have that. Like, it's like, if you see me in person, it's like a little, yeah, stronger over there. But yeah. So Eric, I look like a chipmunk and you look annoyingly handsome as always. Anyway, so yeah, we we decided... We're, with this house, we after after someone broke in, you like saw the knife. You saw you walked in and you saw a knife on the counter, right? Yeah, there's like a big knife and some canned goods and like tissues like sitting on the on the uh, futon. And I I don't know. It was just strange. How did you know it wasn't just like an Airbnb guest who made a mess? Uh, well, the back corner window was open and they also weirdly reset the router like the wi-fi router they Mm. reset it to the factory setting which 
I have no idea unless you do this regularly. Like, I don't know how you would figure out to reset the router to get Wi-Fi to have like internet access. They must have known nobody was staying here or that it's an Airbnb. Yeah. Which is like a little unsettling. Yeah, they've probably been watching the property for a while. So Uh, yeah. So after that, we were like, okay, the last straw, not doing this anymore. I'm going to long-term rent this house. So we, it's funny because we literally, that day we're like, we're doing it. And then you talk to one of our friends and they are looking to live in a new home. Like they're looking, their lease, well, I think they're, anyway, their lease is up something. And so I think we're going to talk to them after this podcast and I think they're going to rent our house. So this all really worked out well for us. Now, now, I mean, the last five months or so, it's been annoying and I've been kicking that can down the road, just like hoping it would, the problem would go away and it didn't, just got worse. And now, now we have a solution, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Tell everyone a little bit about who you are, your background, and then we can jump into like what we're talking today, talking about today. Yeah, well, I moved to Austin about 10 years ago, coming up on 10 years at the end of this year. And I've been here. I love it. You know, I I moved here to Austin, Texas, and I actually moved down here for work. And not long after, I quit my job and ended up working for another company for a little while, but kind of always had some ideas in the back of my head about starting my own business and getting into my own thing. I've always been really into tinkering with things, construction projects. And as soon as probably within like 72 hours of meeting Christina, she had me on a ladder, like hanging a a swing chair, like in one of her rooms, not that kind of swing, but um, yeah, just (laughs) doing, uh, doing handyman things. And um, I kind of have done that as a hobby for as long as I can remember. And, you know, partnering up with Christina uh, in any respect always requires a little bit of uh, elbow grease. And um, oh, yeah. it just happened to work out that I'm a pretty handy person. So uh, That's funny because I'm not a handy person. And when I met you, I had just bought our the house you're in right now, Eric, uh, the 13th Street house. And like I I was like yeah I'm like resourceful like I can figure this stuff out and when you came to my house to like you I remember you installed this uh washer dryer and you hung up this uh it's actually it was like a a swinging ha- hanging chair I got from a friend it was nothing yeah anyway but um <laughs> I was like oh I'm not handy and no one in my family is despite what they say they like my dad <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't listen to this, but yeah, he's definitely not handy. And I always was like, oh, I was like, yeah, my dad's handy. I was like, no, 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 he is not. (laughs) He definitely is not. He's like, oh, let's just put this board up here and nail it with something. And I think that'll do. And Eric's like measures things and is like very precise. And yeah, anyway, so you were very handy. And also when we first met I think within six months of meeting you were a homeowner right you had like I I helped you buy your first house yeah month month seven I believe I closed on a house which I quite honestly before I met you I didn't even know that I could afford a house much less have a house that I could rent and live in so that was pretty awesome Mm -hmm. so our relationships give and take I would say okay so tell me more like about so you said you moved here for a job, wanted to 
start your own business? What happened after that? So I, I did end up quitting my job and I started a business, Lovercraft Coffee, and that had uh, some wild, wild ups and downs. You know, we opened a cafe, which I built out of an old, old trailer that we picked up in Oklahoma together. Yes, it was so, it was like, oh really, that was a fun time, but also a stressful time because me and Steph also, so we decided to start our open house Austin business at that time. Mm-hmm. And we went to Eric and we were like, okay, well, we want to put a coffee shop on this building. So do you want to, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> so that was how that all started too. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, everybody says ignorance is bliss. And I think every time I do a major project, like um, renovating a 40 foot, you know, 70 year old trailer, <laughs> I realize that I'll probably never do it again. So mm-hmm. really, truly ignorance is bliss. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever do that again, but it was an amazing experience and I learned a lot. You know, I know how to pretty much build a house from ground up now. And yeah, over the last few years, you know, I've done a lot of uh, odd jobs kind of in my spare time, handyman work. And um, we built a really beautiful shed in the back of this house, actually, which unfortunately we put a little bit in the wrong spot. So we're in the process of moving it. The city came knocking, telling us to move it. Somebody, somebody mentioned that it was a little too close to the street. So, but anyways, yeah, we, you know, we did that and, and have done some other really fun projects, you know, building like faux fireplaces and, you know, a big living room with a blank wall. You did that um, for Sydney's and, client, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sydney's mm-hmm. client had us do that. That was a really challenging project, but super fun. Mm-hmm. And then your sister started talking about putting a tiny house in a, in a, in the backyard of a house she just bought in California. And so, you know, yeah. one thing led to another and we committed to doing that. And yeah, we're kind of halfway through the build process of that right now. So it's yeah. a really fun project. Yeah. Yeah. For context, my sister, I, I think y'all know we talk about this a lot, but me and my sister have partnered on a few properties. Um, she's actually 10% owner of that house that Eric's in right now, the 13, our, our uh, house that we're we were airbnb and we bought a beach house together. And so she wanted a house in California that she could, you know, have a home base. She just really hated having to lease all the time and move around. And she wanted a place she could call home. So she bought a house in LA, which is very expensive. Her mortgage is really expensive. So she was like, I need a way to lower this. I mean, she has a great job, luckily, and it pays her well, but it's still like this mortgage is high. So she wanted... A way to lower her mortgage and she was talking with Eric for a while about potentially building a tiny house in her backyard and so Eric and our friend Matt went drove down to LA right y'all drove how far mm-hmm. was how long was that uh, it was like a 20 hour drive we wow. split it up into a couple days but you guys I, I kept calling Eric and being like so How's it going? Are you guys getting into any fights? My sister's house is not super big. It's only two bedrooms. So they were sleeping in one room on twin, different twin mattresses, <laughs> but like in the same room, they were like working together all day, sleeping in the same room. Like there was no space, right, for you to like have your alone time, but you were also constantly working, but you guys got along mm-hmm. somehow. You know, sometimes uh, you just meet somebody and uh, you just know that, you know, you can do crazy hard things together and not have any issues. And yeah, uh, Matt is one of those people. So he's a he's a great, great uh, partner and, and really fun to work with. And mm-hmm. 
yeah, without him, I don't think I could have done the project. So yeah, he's I'm so super grateful for him. He's super patient too. Very, very, patient. very patient. Okay, so I guess what made you all? Because there was a garage there, right? Like a two, a one car garage, where at the place where you guys were building this tiny house. Yeah. So originally, we were just gonna try to take that that garage, which is a was about two hundred and eighty square feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, just essentially finish it out. So we, we'd have to add plumbing, electrical, basically redo the siding and just kind of keep the frame and the roof. And after kind of doing the math and figuring out the amount of time that it was going to take to kind of retrofit that, I think both of us realized that it just didn't really make sense to keep um, the shed and instead just tear it down and build something the same size in its place. So what what was like the main thing? Because I know a lot of our a lot of people listening have something like that. Like we will often say if you have, you know, a detached garage, you can convert it. So what made you decide that it wasn't worth salvaging? Yeah, so the so the two main issues were the foundation, which the foundation of this garage was really just some very large relatively thin pieces of concrete, I don't know, six by six foot pieces of concrete. And they're already kind of, or I guess they're kind of buckling in the center. So the weight of the sides of the shed were already kind of pushing it up. And then the major thing really was the roof. The roof was in really rough shape. And the back part of the lot, which we kind of found out later, the reason being the, the back half or maybe back seven or eight feet of the roof just just went like this and then just started sloping upwards and it turns out that they there was a big dead root in the back uh back of the the house and they must have put an addition on there and then just left the root and then just like raised (laughs) that back wall up like three feet and then the front part was at the same level as the rest of the shed so so literally the roof was like you know like at a 30 degree angle or maybe not quite that exaggerated, probably 15 or 20 degree angle though, upwards. And it just, the amount of time it would have taken to correct that, you know, you would have had to lift the entire shed, then redo the foundation, maybe even do piers and put it back down. And by then, you know, the roof probably would have fallen off. I mean, who knows? Um, who knows what else could have happened? Yeah. I remember seeing it because my sister would like show me in videos and I was like, that's fine. And then seeing it in person, I was like, mm, no, this is, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it probably could have been done, but for an extra, I don't know, 15% of the cost of the build, mm-hmm. uh, it's just absolutely worth it to build something that, you know, is going to last, you know, especially yeah. since California is, there's earthquakes and, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, the soil, which we found out is just insanely soft. So mm-hmm. um, you got to have a really good foundation to prevent um, the structure from falling down. So it just wasn't worth it in the end to keep it. Yeah. What What did you do to prepare? Like, you know, like uh, maybe what tools did you use to come with the floor plan? Like how, what did you do before you went down there to prep and know what to expect? Yeah. So the first really helpful thing um, was to get something from Steph in terms of kind of her design elements and Mm -hmm. and kind of her vision for what the space would look like. So um, she's a professional designer. And Mm -hmm. and, um, so she sent us a deck and all this stuff that she wanted in it and kind of showed us some spaces that she liked that already looked very similar. And um, then you basically just take all that information and start building a model in SketchUp. 
um, which is free. Anybody can use SketchUp. Uh, it's a very intuitive program. And what's really cool about it, it is it, it is designed for making buildings. So you can import windows and you can import floor color and all this sort of stuff. And then you can kind of like float around inside the building to get a good idea of what it's going to look like. Um, you know, we didn't go kind of all out in terms of, you know, building a perfect 3D CAD design. Um, but we did the basic blueprint and just kind of moved things around that way. And that's how we designed the, the initial build. How, how did you know or decide how big you wanted it or how, like the sizing or anything like that? The larger the building, the more expensive it's going to get. So <laughs> we needed to keep in mind kind of what Steph's budget was originally. And then also we wanted to kind of maintain the integrity of like what the original shed was. Um, so we basically took that blueprint of the original shed and copied it almost exactly mm. um, in terms of the size of it. So was that because of permitting? Like you figured it was like that was already on there. And I know you guys. So just a disclaimer, y'all, they did not go through permitting. And that's a risk that my sister took and was very aware that like things could go wrong, like the city could catch her. And we'll actually get into that a little bit later. But like, yeah, so um, I'm just wondering, did was it originally, did you originally want to go by those dimensions because of that? Because the city saw that as like, I guess, permitted as like that sizing? Yeah, that definitely played a factor. It also, the, the um, dimensions, so the width is um, 12 feet uh, by 20, uh, what is it, 28 feet or 27, 28 feet, I think. Um, and that also just happens to play really nicely with the standard sizing of building materials that you can use. So, you know, a four by eight sheet of plywood, if you have two sheets next to each other, that's going to be eight feet wide. Um, and then you can stagger them appropriately. Um, so everything's up to code. So um, that was really the main thing is just uh, the sizing requirements um, were really more based on how easy can we make this build not you know how challenging or, or how big can we make it so and again you know even you know 10 square feet bigger might be an extra five thousand dollars or five hundred you know it, it's just every single square foot that you're adding is going to add the cost of material and wiring and insulation and everything so well, that makes sense. So were, would you say that you were kind of like the project manager of all this? Like you were working on the design and like, and then with like with Matt, he was kind of just like labor, like helping you. Yeah, yeah. Matt, I guess you'd probably, if you wanted to put it into construction terms, would be more like the foreman, you know, somebody who's on site making sure that you know, things are getting built, built. Um, I was kind of the project manager slash GC. So, you know, somebody who's kind of overseeing the project, obviously I was putting in the work on the job site as well, but yeah, you guys um, were both working from like, what, what, 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. Oh man. I mean, we probably put, we probably put 12 to 14 hour days in seven days a week for 21 days. Yeah. Um, it was, that was crazy. A lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You guys were dead. And then my sister was, is just like loves having people over. So it was just like a constant rotation of people coming in through the house. Right. Which honestly is fun, but also, but not when you're like working 12 hours a day. So yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't a big deal. 
That's no. what uh, noise-canceling headphones are for. Mm, so That's fair. You just go to sleep. That's good. Um, I guess not all of us are like so... I'm like so sensitive. If I don't get sleep, I'm like freak out, as you know. <laughs> just like... Yeah, I, I have a real, really... I mean, you know this. Like when I have a when I have a goal, like I can just, mm-hmm. I mean, I was just popping out of bed and I was like, here we go. But I just can't do that any other time unless I'm like, I got to get I know. this much done today. And, and it's the only time I can really just jump out of bed and be ready to go even Man. when I'm tired. How do I motivate you to do that with like everything? Just be like, this is, <laughs> how do I make that a pro- everything a project where you're just jumping out of bed? So excited. Mm. No, but that, I mean, that's great. That's great for you. (laughs) Do you know roughly, like, how much was budgeted for this? Like, I know it went over budget, but how much was budgeted uh, originally? Like, how much did you tell my sister that it would cost, like, for the whole thing to be built and done? So to give you some context, so Mm -hmm. I'm not just, like, throwing out a random number. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to buy, like, a tiny house from a company with the kind of finishes that Steph was looking for, mm-hmm. not including permitting fees, shipping, or anything like that, it's probably somewhere around $180,000. Oh, my gosh. Um, and up. Because <laughs> um, my mean, sister this is not has... a small building. Well, how many square How many square feet is it? It's like 312. So it's not, it's not something that you're just putting on wheels and driving, driving onto a lot. You know, it's... It's twelve feet wide, so you can't. Yeah, um, you can't just transport something like that right. normally on the freeway. Well, and it's not two um, stories because I'm pretty sure Steph's like Steph Douglas. This is confusing. Steph Douglas's roll-on tiny house is pretty, like, it's pretty big. It's big, but it's it's. I don't think it's twelve feet wide. Maybe no, it is, but it's actually, like it's, I'm not sure. But it's like I think it's like two hundred and something square feet. Like it's not. It's like two fifty yeah. or something, or maybe bigger. I don't know. But my sister has really bougie taste. <laughs> like her and Eric were like texting me separately while they were in, in California, and I was like, ah. But they, were, my sister was like, Eric just doesn't understand, and Eric was like, she's buying thousand dollar toilets and i was like i don't know (laughs) so yeah she has expensive taste yeah so originally when we started this project her goal was to do it as inexpensively as possible so you know i have no qualm with her choosing her own situation you know whatever fittings whatever finishes she wants like i think that's great she should go for it um but yeah there's definitely some conversations that we had about uh the initial budget and what the fixtures and finishes she decided to go with we're going to do to the final cost you're talking like a politician you're like there was uh some you're like i don't know i'm I'm trying to be neutral about it (laughs) well that's all we do here we're not neutral on this podcast but anyway so so to go back to your original question about the budget you know we originally quoted her around $60,000. So that did not include excavation or demo of the building, but that included everything beyond that. So um, foundation, framing, uh, roof, finishing, everything. Um, The cost is going to be about $60,000. And that was with her paying for all the materials. So that's no markup from us. Um, Our labor was uh, originally supposed to be about mm, $12,000. 20% 20% of that. Um, and it definitely ended up going up a little bit just because we kept changing things around. And that's pretty low. And there was, there I would were, say, right? 
yeah yeah I, I mean the other thing too like some of the design choices really do change cost significantly yeah. so i think the biggest one and our biggest challenge was on the roof mm. she wanted a 30 degree pitched mm -hmm. roof which is really no sorry 37 degree pitched roof which is really 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 steep so you can't climb on a roof right like that and so just the logistics of going 15 feet up in the air mm -hmm. on a ladder trying to carry up big heavy panels and then metal panels and um, of course all through doing our roofing roofing project you know it was just like dumping rain the backyard just turned into mud so like just it was just so much work for one aspect and of the she did skylights um, right and yeah and the skylights were an even bigger pain you know like skylights are incredibly difficult to install properly if you want to really waterproof them um but they do look really cool and i i honestly like i think when all is said and done you know the design is going to be incredible i think it's going to be just as nice as her front house if not nicer Oh, it'll definitely be nicer. I mean, her front house is a really cool old craftsman house, but this one will be like, you can tell like she, she has really good taste and she's not a designer. She is. Um, she works in that space. That's what I meant to uh, say. Yeah. Yeah. She works, she works in fashion, but she is around a lot of people with a lot of taste and design skills. And one of her best friends is an interior designer. Um, so... Yeah, she she definitely knows what she likes, and it's awesome. Um, it is cool. And her reasoning for spending this money is because she does want to get this tiny house written up in um, just publications, and she also wants to attract a certain type of clientele that um, is willing to pay high dollar to stay in her well-designed home so that's that's what she was doing um i i would say yeah it's 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 hard it would be hard for me to spend some of that on certain design choices but you know i think she knows what she's doing in that in in that way but we'll see would you say like <laughs> the hardest part about this whole process is was the roof in terms of like the physical labor aspect yes definitely that was okay that's probably one of the harder things I've ever done in construction, honestly. I have a <laughs> lot of respect for people who do roofing every day, especially now. Mm. Um, mm. So. How long did that take y'all to do? Like to to maybe um, frame it out and then also like, I don't even know, what, what goes on with this? Yeah, so the framing is the easy part. I mean, all you, we built a, a gable style roof. So um, the support of the roof actually goes through the front and back wall instead of onto the side walls. So then the um, the rafters actually don't technically hold really any weight. Um, so that was actually relatively easy to do. Uh, the hard part was just, again, just climbing up there and, you know, you have to attach, basically got to like slap two by fours onto the deck that you just built that you're going to put the metal roof on. And then you got to like crawl up there and um, again, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's just a, it was just a really challenging part of the project. So, yeah, that's fair. Wait, like now I'm thinking like, what kind of, like, what were you renting? Like what kind of tools did you need? Because I, I know, or equipment, like I know you, you guys, so you, my sister hired someone to bulldoze the tiny house, but, or the, um, 
garage that was there. So you guys didn't need to do that. And then, but you had to dig out for the foundation, right? So what tools did you need? Because you drove with some of your tools from home. But then what did you, did you need to rent anything while you were there? Yeah, so we had to get an excavator, which you can actually rent those from Home Depot. Or there's a ton of local, like large construction or heavy construction equipment um, rentals in any major city. So, I mean, in Austin, there's probably 20 different places you could get an excavator from. And they'll deliver it. Um, from anywhere between three to seven hundred dollars a day, depending on what um, what you're getting, um, plus delivery fees and everything. But yeah, that was a blast. You know, we got to dig holes with the excavator instead of a shovel, and um, definitely makes the work go by a lot faster. Uh, but in terms of tools, I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, hangups for a lot of people who are doing any kind of construction project. Is you know, do you have the right tools to do the project? Because you know, it might only cost $500 in materials for the fence, but you might have to spend $1,000 on the right tools to actually put the fence up. So, you know, collectively, Matt and I probably have $10,000 plus in just tools um, for all the various projects that we we do. So um, it's pretty hefty investment, um, but it's you know, when you have the right tool from the job for the job, it makes everything a little bit easier. So there's been so many times where I've gone. I mean, I've gone to Home Depot. Well, before you, because now you, you this is you do those things. But mm-hmm. I would go to Home Depot like ten times. I remember I talked about this on our podcast when me and Brent were trying to <laughs> renovate our place in San Antonio, and we we went to Home Depot ten times in one day, and I was just like, we are. This is so frustrating. It'd be like, okay, I'm ready. And then you'd be like, but wait, we need this one little tool thing that we're not, we're missing, or I got the wrong screw or whatever. It's so frustrating. I mean, um, I mean, we're not, we're not above that either. We still, we probably went to Home Depot five or six times in a day, at least a couple days. Oh, um, good. Okay. At the time we were there. That makes me feel better now. Yeah. It's, it's not just, just you. Okay, cool. Okay. So I get you're talking about you have all these tools for other projects. Are you can other people hire you right now? I am actually not available. We we still have to finish the we still have to finish this tiny house, which I'm not really going to get into the specifics. But uh, there's been some delays there. Um, we're obviously back in Austin, Texas. So we're waiting to go back out to California to do that. But I have some other projects with Levercraft Coffee that I've been working on for about two years that I need to finish up before I jump back into any more uh, construction work. You want to talk about it really quick? Yeah, yeah. We just building a grinder, a coffee grinder. So during COVID, we kind of pivoted and we launched some coffee products, some espresso tools, one of them being a, a really cool espresso grinder. Long story short, that whole process kind of uh, stopped abruptly about two years ago uh, until we started developing our own product. And um, we've been working on that ever since. And hopefully we'll uh, be launching our new coffee grinder in the next six months here. So keep an eye out for that. He makes tools for, for at-home coffee nerds. So if that's you, then you should follow levercraftcoffee.com or go to that website. I will say that we do host a community meetup every single month. And I typically drag Eric there. So if you are someone who want, is trying to build their own tiny house, you should definitely come to um, our next community meetup and he will 
probably be there and you can talk to him. And if you're like, if you're like, I want to know if Eric's coming because I want to talk specifically about tiny houses with him, just message us on Instagram and we'll let you know if he'll be there or not or if we're in town or out of town, whatever. But yeah, you can you can always come to those meetups. We host them every single month. They're super fun. Bring your friends and whoever you if you're trying to build a tiny house, he'll definitely you're always down to give advice to people. I know that. Yeah, there's so much power in uh, having a little bit of knowledge and experience, especially with little projects. And quite honestly, I love I love talking to people about their projects and, and helping in whatever way I can. So we'd love to see you there. He does. Yeah, to his detriment sometimes, but it's really nice. <laughs> Can't help myself. Yeah, it's very nice of you. Okay, let's see. I guess, what advice would you give to someone who is considering building their own tiny house? Um, yeah, like what are some of the most important things to keep in mind during this build-out process? Number one, how patient are you? You know, do, things are, regardless of what I believe, things never really go to plan. Um, you know, we, we can make all the plans in the world and something eventually is going to come up and slow you down or make you change your process. Um, I think the other thing is really just the more prepared you can be, the better. So if you already know what you're going to do for the tiny house, you know, draw it up and sketch up. I mean, you could get all the way down into like, this is how long I need to cut this piece of wood. You know, oftentimes when we are doing a project, I'll have every single cut that we need for an entire wall or the whole floor, whatever it is, all ready to go in a spreadsheet. And then I can just go in and just cut all the pieces and then you put it together. So um, the prep work is really, really important. Um, and then, of course, having the right tools for the job. There's nothing more challenging or annoying than trying to do some part of a project and not have the right tools for it. Because um, it's going to slow you down. It's going to end up costing you more money in the long run. So if you're unsure about buying a tool or renting one, I would say just do it. Um, and you can thank me later. That's fair. And what about for people who might not want to do everything, every single step themselves? Maybe they're hiring a contractor to do most of it. Any any advice? Yeah, there? I mean, a lot of a lot of local handymen. I'm sure people in the open house Austin network um, are completely open to having you help or do some or most of the project, and then you can just quote out the things that you're not comfortable with. You know, if it's uh, you don't know how to do electrical, but you know how to do plumbing, you know, and, and everything else, you know, you could do all that and just hire an electrician or somebody who knows how to do the electrical um, to do that part. And honestly, like, just be friendly. You know, you can get really far in this industry, especially by not being a jerk. So, um, of course, that doesn't guarantee that the person you're working with isn't going to be a jerk, but uh, that's why you vet them first. So right, that's true, and we teach you all about how to vet con how to vet a contractor in our homeschool course that's on YouTube right now. So um, maybe we can link that up in our show notes. The specific videos we're talking about. Um, and oh, I was gonna say one more thing. Uh, would you? Oh, we do have. Okay, so we do have a tiny house guide. Um, from when Steph built her own, so Steph Douglas, not my, not Steph, my sister. That's very confusing. There's two Stephs in my life. Um, so when Steph Douglas, when she built her tiny house, she um, built out this guide for y'all. So you, it's you can find that on our website. Download that, and there's a guide there for you as well. Um, but Eric, would you say that like I guess 
this her guide is going to be a very different layout than what my sister's would be so i don't know if you're interested in writing a blog or whatever or like i can write that for you but we can maybe work something out once you're done with my sister's tiny house and we can show you all like her her plan some of the pictures of like the the materials she's using and what she decided to do because they're going to be very different i feel like um the one where we have on our website is like very like if you're trying to just get this up it's there's no there's nothing fancy or anything but it's it's cute but there's no no fancy detail so it's going to be like the most efficient maybe cheapest way to get this tiny house up and going and then my sister's is going to be like this is like more of a (laughs) uh fancy experience or maybe not fancy what am i trying to say i don't know custom i mean it's it's a custom Custom. versus uh something that you can buy off the shelf it's really the difference exactly and that was the reason my sister decided so she tried she she did a lot of research trying to find manufactured tiny houses because she saw that Steph Douglas <laughs> had pulled on a tiny house and I told her she should look into that because you can finance those tiny houses and it can be cheaper that way meaning like you know you can do a cheap, do a down payment and then you're paying a monthly payment versus like my sister if you're like she had to come up with all this cash kind of right away because she's like building it and you need that cash all at once. So it's either like you can finance something that costs $80,000 or you can spend $80,000. So it's, I mean, my sister's going about it where I think she's putting a lot of it on credit cards, like no interest credit cards for 18 months or something like that. But that means she's going to, once that 18 months is over, like interest is starting up. So she's kind of, she's going to have to start paying that off pretty quickly. Um, so you pick your poison with that but she couldn't find anything she really liked that was already built and the ones she could find that were already built they were kits and they were like eric said they were very expensive they were probably like a hundred and sixty thousand dollars but okay thanks eric thanks for doing this so last minute with me um i hope you all enjoyed this podcast kind of talking about building out your own tiny house and we'll talk to you guys next week thanks for having me i appreciate it uh Leche on the main day. Oh no, okay. Oh, so I'm no. Oh god, bye. Bye. (laughs)